You're listening to DraftKings Network. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. At Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com wonder. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not and, as um, simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more know, doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble, with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. My Assignment Uncover why the association inspires more conspiracy theories in volume and salience than any other U.S. sport. You've heard of the Illuminati. The truth is out there, but so are lies. Your eyes can deceive you. Don't trust them. The NBA has always been controlled by about eight people. Denial is the most predictable of all human responses. If you're only using 10% of your brain, you don't even know that you're using 10% of your brain. The NBA Illuminati. If coincidences are just coincidences, why do they feel so contrived? The Illuminati. But you start to follow the money, and you don't know where the f*** is going to take you. It is unspoken. They have influence among other players. The NBA Illuminati. I don't have time for your convenient ignorance. Maybe I'm a conspiracist now as well. That's all it took. Oh, we got books, we got schools. You saw a video on YouTube. <laughs> Why am I, sir? You've never used them before. We are the basketball Illuminati. <laughs> We had to do a bonus episode of Basketball Illuminati this week, just when we thought we had, you know, some time here to digest 
to let this Robert Sarver situation play out. We drop on Wednesday morning a fresh batch of Basketball Illuminati, the episode, the interview with Dominique Foxworth from ESPN. And we felt like we had a really great show. And then, boom, Robert Sarver announces in a statement that he is beginning his sale of the Phoenix Suns and Mercury. And we're going to get into that with Amin, with Mays, but we're also going to get into all of it with our truth teller guest here, David Bodzin. You used to work for the Phoenix Suns. You had an experience, an incident regarding Robert Sarver back in, I believe, 2014. You had spoke to Baxter Holmes in the ESPN story, and your incident was included in the Wachtell Lipton report from the NBA. Thank you for joining us, first of all, and I appreciate you coming on and telling your story. No, thank you guys so much for having me. I appreciate y'all having me on. Yeah, coming from Dallas, Texas, but former Suns employee indeed. So, David, what happened? Yeah, so I worked for the Suns from, say, July 2013 until my last days were in July or August 2014. And back in 2014, of course, there was the ALS Ice Bucket Challenge. A lot of fun, really marketable, helping with the ALS issues, really great. And the Phoenix Suns decided, hey, let's get in on this. Great. Nick Barlidge, who's now CEO of the Cleveland Cavaliers, was involved with this. I think it was Steve Ballmer who challenged Robert Sarver, who's like, hey, let's get the whole sales staff, the whole front office involved in this. Let's get them down there. Great. At this point, I had actually just put in my two weeks of the Suns. I had taken a sales manager job with the University of Texas Athletics Department. It got me closer to home. You know, Born and raised in Dallas, went to school in Tucson. So... You know, this is kind of my time to leave Arizona. Really excited about the career optics of it. So this is one of my last days of the Suns. Wow. Do the ALS Ice Bucket Challenge, right? And I had my gym shorts on and, you know, I got, I think I got Eric Bledsoe jersey on or something like that. We get the water dumped on us and all of a sudden my pants just get pulled down. What the f*** just happened here? <laughs> and it turn around and it's Robert Sarver. And, you know, I'd worked for him for a year and I have my own opinion of the guy. I'm like, okay, this guy's, you know... I didn't know the whole story at this time, but a lot of the people who came forward in that that Baxter Holmes story were good friends of mine at the time and, and since then as well, and I still keep in touch with. So I had known enough about him, but I worked in the sales office, right? I I, I worked with him just when sales weren't going well because he put together a shit team. He wanted to be on the sales team. Great. Turn around. It's Robert Sarver pulling down. He's laughing his ass. He's like, ah, this is great. And then Karen, who's the head of HR, comes up to me and looks at me and says, please don't sue us. Full disclosure, I grew up in a major league clubhouse. I'm a baseball guy. I'm a baseball coach now. I run a baseball organization. I, I, I grew up with the Texas Rangers. I was a part of the University of Arizona baseball team for five years. You see my national championship picture up there from 2012. Bona fides. Yeah. And I just... You're very familiar with the locker room culture, so to speak. Yes, exactly. But I'm also familiar with the fact that when you put a suit and tie on, you got to clean it up a little bit, right? And... That's the idea. Like it took me a couple of years to figure out, hey, I probably shouldn't say stuff like this because I'm not in a locker room anymore. Right. And I think everybody who's been in a locker room, whether it be the WNBA, the NBA, Major League Baseball, whatever have you, has to speak a little bit differently when they're out of a locker room. So the first initial thought was, oh, that's funny. And then I realized I have a suit and tie on and I'm in front of my entire organization. And I'm like, well, that's that's messed up. That sucks that that happened. Then I have the head of HR, Karen Roush, coming up to me saying, hey, don't press charges. I was like, okay, well, what am I supposed to do when the chief HR officer comes up to me? And 
at that point, there had been a max exodus of people leaving the Suns. And the whole idea was if you talk to HR, you're going to get pushed out. That was just common knowledge at this point. If you talk to HR, it's not confidential. It's 2014. This is well before the Me Too movement. This is well before BLM. So this stuff wasn't really existent. So if you wouldn't talk to them, hey, okay, get out. Well, I had just taken a really solid job with the University of Texas Athletics Department, which is like my dream job. I grew up a Longhorns fan. So I was in this position where I'm just going to keep my mouth shut and get the hell out. Mm. So I did. That long part of the story shortened up. Eight years later, it's been a long time. I think about it often. I'm like, man, that Robert Sarver's a piece of shit, this and that. Like, I, I really wish I had said something, but I didn't want to lose my job. It had become very clear to me that had I spoken up, then my job and my career in sports was probably over pretty quickly. And I essentially kept my mouth shut for years because you don't know the optics of, you know, hey, I got my pants pulled down and I'm upset about it. Okay, suck it up. And then I saw the Suns categorically deny everything that might be going on. Everything. Everything. I was sitting at lunch with my wife on Twitter and I see the Suns statements. I'm like, that's bullshit. And so I commented immediately like, hey, I know for a fact that if he's willing to do that in front of 80 people, what's he doing behind closed doors? Like, let's be logical here. Not on camera, but there were cameras present, obviously. Right. And people had talked about it more than I, I knew. And so I, I commented that. And within an hour, Baxter Holmes hit me up like, hey, let's talk about this. Great. And then he let me know, hey, people have told your story. I had just no idea who you were until now, until you spoke up. And I thought that was just bogus that the Suns were categorically denying everything because who's going to prove it? Because it's behind closed doors. That pissed me off. So that's when I decided, hey, I, I got to say something here. I can back David up. Karen Roush is awful at her job. <laughs> like, <laughs> I've told you guys their HR department was just garbage and she was in charge of it. And I can't think of someone worse equipped to run that particular department than Karen Roush. Came up to you, David, and said, don't sue us. Yes. Right after. Right after. That's the head of HR. Head of HR. And no, at the time I'm 24. So I'm like, hey, okay. I won't. David, do you know how she became head of HR? I don't. I would love for you to tell me though. You ever watch Game of Thrones? Yes. I just rewatched it. Allegedly. She put the knife in the back of the guy that was a head of HR ahead of her, who was someone not as willing to go along with what company line was about things. Like, no, no, we can't do that. This is an HR violation. Being a responsible HR leader. <laughs> yeah, he was actually doing his job. Imagine that. Yeah. And so he got the ax and with no small part, with a little shove out the door from one Karen Roush, who was then named the successor. And that seems to happen a lot, right? Over there, yes. It seems that people who are willing to do their jobs is a hindrance to the president, the CEO, the CFO of the company. So it's, hey, let's put somebody in there who's just willing to go along so that we can make this our own little playground. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify.
it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. So you're talking about how you're with your wife looking at Twitter and seeing the statements from the sons preempting Baxter's report. Yes. Hadn't come out yet. I, at this point, had no idea Baxter was writing this until I saw this. Did the statements that the organization put out before the investigative story from Baxter Holmes comes out, did that jive with your experience with the organization? Like those statements, the language they used, yes. the attacks on the integrity of ESPN and Baxter Holmes. Tom, let me throw some of these statements out there. Please. This is from Sarver. I'm wholly shocked by some of the allegations purported by ESPN about me personally or about the Suns and Mercury organizations. While I can't begin to know how to respond to some of the vague suggestions made by mostly anonymous voices, I can certainly tell you that some of the claims I find completely repugnant to my nature and to the character of the Suns Mercury workplace. And I can tell you they never, ever happened. He goes on to talk about not using the N-word. Jason Rowley says, we take seriously any allegations of racism, sexism, or harassment of any kind, which have no place in our organization and are not tolerated. With respect to recent reports about a forthcoming ESPN article regarding Robert Sarvin on our organization, I will simply say that we are aware of the false narratives it contains and plan to respond accordingly. The story is completely outrageous and false. It doesn't represent at all the Robert Sarver I've worked alongside of for 15 years. Well, here's another fun quote. Our organization and the NBA also conduct workplace engagement and satisfaction surveys on a routine basis. Our most recent NBA-sponsored workplace satisfaction survey, 90% satisfaction rate. <laughs> Let's talk about that for a second. How many times <laughs> have you gotten a satisfaction deal that says, hey, put your name here? And you're like, oh, I'm going to be honest here. Let me put my honest opinion on this. Satisfaction survey. In the report, there was a lot of that, was that people were afraid to put their name on these incidents because they feared retribution from up above. And people who left had to sign NDAs. What did you think about Sarver's apology to you? It wasn't an apology. You mean that little like line in that ESPN article when he interviewed him? So, oh yeah, I remember that part. I'm, I'm sorry. Through his attorney, Sarver said, I would like to apologize directly to David Bodzin. Right. I remember this incident from seven years ago. I never meant to cause any harm or offense, and I certainly did not mean to embarrass Mr. Bodzin. At the time, I thought this was taken as a joke by everyone in the room. I understood a short time later that this was inappropriate. This was purely on me, and it was a misguided attempt at humor. Okay. So seven years later... You're saying it through your attorney, even though a short time later, you realize, oh, I messed up. And the reason why he realized he messed up is because the active general manager of the team at the time, Ryan McDonough, went over to him and just apparently ripped him a new one about it and said, you can't do that to people. At the time, even after Ryan had talked to him and Karen Rasha talked to you, did you ever get any communication for Robert within the following days or weeks? after that incident. Never heard from him or his people ever again. So that ESPN quote is the first time you had ever heard <laughs> Robert Sarver or a, a lawyer for Robert Sarver apologize to you. Yes. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> At this point, I want to just read the, the excerpt from the most recent. As a man of faith, I believe in atonement and the path to forgiveness. I expected that the commissioner's one-year suspension would provide the time for me to focus, make amends, and remove my personal controversy from the teams that I and so many fans love. But... 
In our current unforgiving climate, it has become painfully clear that that is no longer possible, that whatever good I have done or could still do is outweighed by things I have said in the past. For those reasons, I am beginning the process of seeking buyers for the Suns and Mercury. The statement by Robert Sarver (laughs) is perfectly on brand to me. I didn't even work for the guy. But judging by the statements that he puts out with the logo of the team, the statements with Larry Fitzgerald and the rest of his cronies when the allegations came out in the story, this statement aligns almost perfectly with this defensive nature from him where he says he's holding himself accountable but also is trying to escape that culpability. So he says, words that I deeply regret now overshadow nearly two decades of building organizations that brought people together and strengthened the Phoenix area. David, your incident was not about words. It wasn't. And can I interject for half a second? He also blames cancel culture in this. Yeah. <laughs> oh, this climate. <laughs> and yeah, to your point, Tom, it wasn't about words. That is, and again, clubhouse guy, right? But technically, legally, you're talking about a sexual harassment situation, which is not words, in front of 70, 80 people. And we're not just talking about words. We're talking about things that have happened under your thumb, not just you, but the culture that you have pushed over the last 18 years that fall onto other people who are just as culpable. Right. It's very clear that he is trying to minimize the transgressions into words. He said, she said, right. judge me not by what I say, judge me by what I do. And it runs counter to what the NBA investigation revealed and Baxter Holmes' story revealed is that this was a track record of not just comments using the N-word or misogynistic comments. It was behavior, like pantsing a dude in front of the entire company. And by the way, what I was trying to get at was the fake contrition, right? The apology to David seven years later via statement when he says in his statement, I, it was explained to me, you can't do that. David just told us Ryan McDonough was one of the first on the scene to, to let him know that. And yet, at no, not even an email, not even like a letter. It could be the most impersonal thing that his executive assistant could have drafted up. But he didn't feel... Like, that was a necessary step for him. This is who we're talking about. You know, I, I went on SiriusXM on Wednesday and said, like, look at all the statements. Statement one is denying this thing before it's even coming out and bad-mouthing the unnamed sources. Statement number two is after the story comes out, it's all lies. Baxter Holmes is a liar. Earl Watson is a liar. None of this shit happened. We welcome an investigation. Statement three is investigation has happened. Yeah, but I don't really agree with what I guess, right? Mm -hmm. And then statement four is, because of the current culture, I guess I got to get out of here. You know, I'm not even allowed to atone for my sins, for things that happened a long, long time ago. He acts like he's been a model citizen this whole time, but that's who he is. He's a man in constant denial of his culpability and his actions. And that part, I cannot stress enough, is so wild to me that it can be pointed out to him and he can admit it was pointed out to him that he f***ed up and he didn't even bother to apologize in the most impersonal, cold, distant, corporate way. Shit, I would have got you a $500 prize gift card and said, (laughs) my bad. For a 25-year-old account exec in sales? Shit, man, that that makes a difference, man. That makes a massive difference. On a $22,000 salary? Yeah. Yeah, man. Even the smallest modicums of just decency, not because you're a good person, but because this is just good for business. 
take care of these people. They'll they'll be loyal to. He doesn't even have that part in him. I want to ask you about this, David. What about the Arizona Wildcats culture aspect of this story? Is like as someone who's worked in the baseball org there at Arizona, U of A alum. Did you feel like if you were going to speak out that you were almost betraying the Wildcats? and the wildcat culture of his organization. I would argue at that point that I was a lot more tied in with the athletic department than he was. I was director of ops for the national championship team that happened a year and a half ago. Before that, I'm a part of the Arizona Athletics Hall of Fame now. I was also a student manager for Mike Stoops for two years. I understand your question. I, at that time, just didn't really look at him as part of the Arizona culture. I was very heavily involved and ingrained in that culture at the time. And I just looked at him and was like, oh yeah, you also went to Arizona. Cool. Yeah. Cause Richard Jefferson was on the NBA today who said like, I'm an Arizona wildcat. And like, I'm here to say now, get this man the F out of here on ESPN. I'm a sun devil. And I say, mm, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> when you talk about it that way, yeah, it's a bad look when a Arizona love from the business school, which is revered. It's like, I mean, if, if somebody came from the broadcast school and made a fool of themselves on the air, that would be a bad look. <laughs> I didn't go to the broadcast school. Ha! <laughs> yeah, there you go. And I didn't go to the business school, so I can do what I want. But he did. And it's, it's what does that say about the money he's putting into it? We say the same thing about Tom Hicks and the things he did you know, in his career. And he was giving back to the University of Texas. And finally, Texas is like, hey, maybe we don't want your money anymore. Right. This isn't good money we want to take from you right now. And I think that's ultimately what's behind the sale process is the idea that if you're a sponsor of this team, if you are economically tied to this organization and this has happened and it's been proven across the board, multiple, 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 just egregious instances where someone was warned and instructed and talked to about and just had no contrition, no remorse, that's bad for business. It doesn't matter, you know, oh, we went to the same school or, oh, like, I've known you for years or whatever. Like, you're bad for business at some point, and you got to divest yourself. And I think that's the pressure that led to Robert Sarber having to, to move up out of here because the affiliation, if you're PayPal, I don't want to be affiliated with you. Verizon, I don't want to be affiliated with you. And at some point, it's not a punishment because you've been a bad boy. It's, uh, yo, you're f***ing up my pocket. And now that's where we got to draw the line. That's all that matters, right, is money. It happened in 2013, 2014. Did you relive any of that? How often did you think about that incident between then and 2021? Often, often. I mean, the easiest way to think is every time I had financial struggles, like, shit, I should have done something about this. I, I wouldn't be in this financial situation. Oh, yeah. That's a shitty way to think about it, but that's the way it works sometimes. No, but, it's, but often, I would talk to people who who did not come out publicly in the, in the article, you know, who I was close with, who, you know, were still with the Suns, and I would be on the phone with them. They would tell me some of the things that would happen, like in Vegas, and, mm -hmm. you know, some of the things that came out in the report, and they would tell me before it came I was like, then I questioned myself is like, man, if I had come forward, like, yeah, it jeopardized my career. But like at 24, 25, I didn't think of that at all. But now I'm fine. What if I had come forward and, and this all would have occurred seven years ago? How many hours of therapy could have been saved and how much could have been saved in terms of heartache and heartbreak from these women and from, from you know, the BS that Earl Watson had to deal with and other people had to deal with? Maybe if I hadn't worn underwear that day, this wouldn't have this would be a non-issue. <laughs> I'll be honest with you, David. I don't think if you had come out, first of all, you would have jeopardized your career. That's a sad thing that no one's talking about. I try to point out that the people who came forward and talked like yourself, you put your careers on the line, your livelihoods on the line, because the unfortunate history of whistleblowing in this country and probably across the world is 
They celebrate you for speaking out, and then you'll never get a job here again because what if something happens here and he sells me out or he whistle blows on me? And that's across industries. That's not a sports thing that happens in manufacturing and marketing and, and all sorts of places, right? That's one. Two is the climate. He's right in a certain sense that like seven years ago, maybe people would have just said, oh man, it's just a joke, ah, you know, like, and that incident alone would maybe not have been enough for other people to come out and speak out. I think we had to evolve in a place in society. And I'm not like a cancel culture guy. I think it's kind of, it's a dumb term. Me neither. The number of people who've actually been canceled were like Harvey Weinstein and now Robert Sarver. It's a short ass list. But he's not being canceled. He's making- $2 billion. He's not being thrown in jail and he's not going to be out of the public eye. Like he's going to bank $2 billion out of this. So Harvey Weinstein, Bill Cosby, and R. Kelly. I got it. It's a handful of people who've actually felt the impact in terms of their freedom, in terms of their economic opportunities. But still, we are in a place now where people feel more compelled to come out and speak. And because people speak, more people are speaking and it builds that momentum. So I don't want you to beat yourself up about what happened seven years ago or eight years ago, what you could have done, because the reality is you did the best thing that was in your interest as someone who's starting out in the business. I appreciate that. David, what was it like watching the Adam Silver press conference? Uncomfortable. Yeah, it was uncomfortable. And you know, I was talking to my wife afterwards. I was in, like, in a bad mood last week. She looked at me. She's like, what's wrong? I was like, I don't know. I'm just pissed off. And I realized, I think like this silver thing is just affecting me. And it's not, you know, should it? Maybe. I don't know how you feel about that. But watching the silver press conference was infuriating and confusing and uncomfortable because it just seemed like he didn't believe in his own words, but he just wasn't going to really do anything because, you know, let's be real. $10 million in, in a one-year ban, is, is a, it's just an expensive vacation, is all that was. You called it a slap on the wrist and a vacation, yeah. Yeah, slap on the wrist, and, and I would even evolve on that thought. It wasn't really even a slap on the wrist because it was a vacation. Did you talk to other former Suns employees or, or current Suns employees after that press conference, during LeBron James and Chris Paul coming out? Did the press conference light a fire under you and cause you to like, hey, we need to speak out louder because that didn't feel satisfying? Yes. I think I interviewed with the law firm January. It's been a, it's been a blur. But ever since I talked with them, it kind of went in the back burner. Touching base with Baxter every so often, touching base with some of the other people, Gunnar or Watson, et cetera, people who have public come out and some other people. Whatever happens, happens. And then that press conference came out and we're like, this. That's absolutely atrocious. And so then everybody, including myself and several other people that, that are very active on social media, are like, hey, this is ridiculous. Sarver's got to get out. And it's you know, like you said, I mean, I'm, I'm not a fan of cancel culture, but this is deserving. You can't do what you did and just get a one-year ban and, and $10 million. But in some ways, it kind of feels like what Robert Sarver did with those statements, preempting Baxter Holmes and trying to get out in front of it. The font was like six font and the line spacing was tiny because <laughs> they had to fit everything in. It was like fine print. It almost backfired for him where it caused people who might have otherwise, if he had shown contrition or accountability and said, you know what? He's owning it. I'm not going to speak out anymore. He's owning it. He seems like he's holding himself accountable. But by doing that, it almost Sarver's behavior forced other people to come out. 
that otherwise would have been silent and said, you know what? I'll just let this one slide. Sarver looks like he's learned his lesson. And that's exactly what Jason Rowley's doing right now, right? President and CEO Jason Rowley. I mean, were you with Rowley when you were with the Suns? Uh, yes, I was. So this is very Jason Rowley 101 is, I then we reject this. This is all bullshit. Oh, wait, I'm the CEO and this guy's out. Hey guys, we're doing our best here. You know, I know that you guys are hurting. And at that point, it seems like Rowley's trying to outrun his comments. He went from Binley denying all this to we know we messed up and we're doing our best to fix it like that. On that note, so there was an all-employee meeting that happened right after all of this fallout. Employees submitted questions anonymously through a portal and Rowley addressed them on the call. This is according to Baxter Holmes reporting from ESPN. One of the questions, and I'm going to read straight from Baxter's story. Rowley also addressed a question said to be submitted by several staffers about why the organization hasn't specifically addressed allegations after quickly standing beside Sarver when the allegations were first noted. Rowley referenced the team's soon-to-be-released statement, which was shared with staff before being released to the public. He also referenced that he, a member of the executive team, was addressing with them Wednesday that past incidents had occurred that were, quote, not consistent with our values and that the team needed to take action to correct. He is completely disregarding his role in making those statements, let alone his role in culture of the company. Yeah. The culture there, yeah. Rowley also answered pointed questions from staff that have been previously been submitted. The first question centered on whether there would be punishment for leaders of the organization Whoopsies. whom staff considered culpable in contributing to years of workplace misconduct. Rowley, who's been with the organization since 0708, said there were items, without naming specifics, in the NBA's investigation that the team would be looking into and that it would reach corrective action where appropriate. So he was asked directly about, what about the people who are responsible for propagating this culture, a.k.a. you? He said, oh, yeah, we're, we're going to look into it. And then B, he was asked about the statements that the team made that were so strong, and rather than own up to that shit, one of which he put his name on. That wasn't an organizational quote. That was a Jason Rowley quote. His answer was, yeah, we're, uh, we're going to look into all of that. It's horseshit. David, what was your reaction when you read that piece and you, you heard Rowley's statements? I laughed. Actually, this morning, I pulled it back up and I laughed again. And when you started talking about it, I laughed again. It's hard not to, right? He went from, I vehemently reject the claims who we messed up, but check out the statement from the Suns. And the Suns statement is just lip service, outrunning it, right? And this to me is just Rowley saying, hey, we're going to have a new governor in here and he's going to clean house. I hope I can keep my job. To me, that is him just trying to get out in front of it and find a way to keep his job, which again, I hold him just as culpable as I do Sarver because Sarver did a lot of this stuff, but he also was just overseeing the organization while a lot of this stuff was occurring. And Rally was just as culpable. Again, I just want to reiterate, he is trying to escape blame by just saying, I said some bad things. My bad. I said some bad things. Sarver. Yeah. And in that report from the league and from Baxter, unequal treatment of female employees, sex-related statements, and conduct, 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 experiences, experiences. Like This is not just about words. And he's slinking away trying to say, I just said a bunch of things. My bad. He blames the cancel culture, but... I think the thing that pushed him to sell the most 
was an economic benefit of selling at this time is that some people are saying it might be north of $2 billion this sale. And that when you see PayPal and probably others sponsors bailing because of being associated with your brand and your, your behavior and your misconduct, misogyny and the racism, they want out. That to me is what propelled. And I don't know if I mean, I know you've felt that way before the statement, but it just seemed to me, this isn't about cancel culture. This is about, Hey, I'm going to cash out here and I'm going to make bank. I think it's a combination of if I don't sell, I'm going to lose a lot of money because I think business is going to be affected by this. Yes. Namely from corporate sponsorship. And then if I do sell, I get to make out with an incredible amount of money because by the way, the decision to sell the team in whole is his alone. Even though he owns, I think only about 30 to 35% of the team, the agreement he has with the other partners is that he has final say on basketball decisions and he has final say on sale in whole, not in part, and who it gets sold to. So this is like the last little bit of control he has over the situation, and he's going to get rewarded for it very handsomely. A north of $2 billion sale price will bring him around $700 million or so. This is before taxes and all other kind of adjustments. That's not bad for a guy who, again, when this team was bought for $400 million 18 years ago, $200 million of that was assumed debt that was an, almost an instant tax write-off. And the other $200 million was done through financing and, again, shared through a bunch of people. So he was probably $70 million, maybe $50 million. Right. That's a 10x. $70 million to $700 million. Right. The big upshot of it is like if you hold on to it now, not only are you screwing yourself, you might be killing the franchise value. You might bring it down. Yes. Which hurts him. Within a year, he's going to lose a lot of money. How do you feel now, David, after living this in 2014, reliving it during the investigation coming out and talking to Baxter and talking with the NBA, then seeing Sarver's statements again and the Adam Silver press conference, and then the statement on Wednesday saying that he's going to sell the team. Where are you now? So I'm going to quote a text message from Watson who texted me last night. It sums it up, right? says the universe is undefeated. <laughs> That's what he told He's like, the universe is undefeated. I'm like, yeah, I feel a lot better, a lot more relieved. It's nice to see that somebody of his power and stature is being held accountable, albeit possibly not by the league. But then you look at the quote of the universe is undefeated and the league may not have done anything, but LeBron James came out and said something. Kendrick Perkins came out and said something. Marcus Spears was on ESPN. No, Stephen A. Smith were very loud. PayPal came out very strong and said, hey, we got to do something about this. Chris Paul, wish he'd come out sooner. You know, that's somebody who's like, hey, he would have had the most power to do something about this. And he came out after the report, which I understand from an optics perspective. So all of that included, it's just really nice to know that accountability matters even when somebody's extremely wealthy and powerful. If the writing's on the wall and the smoking gun's there, then something will occur. All right, David, well, I appreciate you coming on with us. And I know you've got a, a newborn at home that you have to go take care of. So I appreciate you taking time out of your day and speaking out, playing a part in this accountability and making sure that, you know, this stuff doesn't go on in the future. So I appreciate you, David. And thank you for joining us on uh, Illuminati. Hey, thank you, Jens. I appreciate you guys. Hey.